Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. All right, it is spring break, and I know, I know the students are ready for it, but I think the teachers are ready for it. Amen. I think the teachers are ready for it. Pastor Chris said we're celebrating that some of them got raises. We thought till this morning that everybody, all the teachers had gotten raises and found out that it's, that's only some. So we need to believe for everybody to get a raise. And you homeschool, you, uh, we want to double your salary. Homeschool parents teaching your own kids. Put yourself down for a bonus. Anyway. We're continuing our series called The Sun Still Rises in Babylon. Today we're going to be looking at the book of Daniel chapter 1. Today's message is called Thriving in Babylon. Daniel 1.1 says this, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Verse 3. Then the king instructed a guy named Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants. Pay attention to that. Some of the children, some of the children and the youth, especially some of the king's descendants, some with the royal blood from Israel and Judah, and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had the ability to serve in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank, and three years of training for them, so to the end of that time they might serve before the king. Now from among those, the sons of Judah, were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He gave Daniel the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. Verse 8, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. I want to weave in there Psalm 33, 11 from the Passion Translation says this, God takes the wind out of Babel pretense. He shoots down the world's power schemes. God's plan for the world stands up. All his designs are made to last. Blessed is the country with God for God. Blessed are the people he's put in his will. Let's pray together one more time. God, would you open the eyes of our heart and let your word come forth and penetrate all the noise of the day. Change us from the inside out and make us to be your people in your will. Let America be saved. Let revival come. Let the tsunami wave roll in of your presence in Jesus' name. Amen. You were created by God to live a life of freedom and victory, no matter what the circumstances are around you. The Lord reminded me this week when I was facing a challenge, the Lord spoke to my heart and said, hey, you're the head, not the tail. You're above, you're not beneath because of me in your life. And I said, yes, sir. And it kind of changed the way I approached the situation that I was in. 
God is preserving and preparing a remnant people. And the remnant that God is raising up, listen, is going to be battle-tested so that they will be mighty. The Bible says, blessed be the Lord, my rock, who teaches my hands to war and my fingers to fight. Blessed be the Lord, my rock. Babylon, we said last week, comes from the word Babel, which means to confuse, fragment, and divide. Literally, to break down unity, to cause factions or schisms. Babylon in Scripture is figurative for a godless culture. It is the world system as opposed to the kingdom of God. There are systems at work in this world, and and Babylon is the devil's system, and the kingdom of God is God's system. God is not done with America. God is not done with her prophetic destiny. It's a lie of hell. In the last few decades, many evangelical leaders have perceived that our country has been changed in many negative ways. The more we have pushed the living God out of public life, the quicker our moral decline has emerged. And you'll notice that if you watch any television show or movie that's been made in the last two years, it's gone from bad to worse. Dr. C. Peter Wagner and others even acknowledge that America has become a, quote, post-Christian nation of the last 30 years. The Judeo-Christian ethic many of us were born and raised in is no more. My friends, if you didn't know it before, wake up. We live in Babylon for now. Even as God promised the Israelites in the Old Testament that if they allowed idolatry and sexual perversion to pull their hearts from the fear or the awe of God, God's hedge of protection would be destroyed and pulled down and Babylon would capture them and take their land just as it happened in the Bible, it has happened in the Western world. The Bible never promises that the Christian life will be easy, popular, or without controversy. In fact, the entire New Testament shows almost exactly the opposite, especially the book of Acts. The adventures of the early church proved the reality of God's power over worldly pressure. I cite four specific Old Testament stories that prove my point. We don't have time to go through all of them this month, but think about it. Joseph in Egypt in the book of Genesis rose up from slavery, thrown into prison, sold out by his brothers, and yet became prime minister in Egypt, a worldly carnal system, a world superpower at that time. And he rose up within it. Daniel in Babylon, as we're talking about today. Esther in Persia knew she was in the kingdom for such a time as this. She was raised up in a Persian culture and by a series of coincidences. How many know what coincidence means? That's when God chooses to remain anonymous. Coincidence. By a series of coincidences, you had Esther rise up and become queen out of hundreds in a Persian, Miss Persia beauty pageant. She became queen and at that moment found out that all of the Jewish people were about to be annihilated by a law And she found a way 
to rise up in beauty and in power and in submission to the king within that system without compromising who she was. And God's calling. And she turned the whole thing around. And the guy that was trying to kill the Jews wound up hanging on the gallows he built for Esther's uncle. Understand that God is working in our midst. And finally, Nehemiah in Persia. Nehemiah was the king's wine taster. He was the guy, if somebody was going to poison the king with poison wine or food, Nehemiah was the one who was going to do it. He was the secret service. He was going to be the one to die for that king in a carnal and worldly system. And yet God promoted and raised him up and then sent him back to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. My friends, we have to understand that a lot of people have this idea. I remember people telling me years ago, oh, pastor, you have such an easy job. You get to work around Christians all the time. Oh, yeah. I almost forgot. This person said to me, you know, if I could, if I could just work around Christians all the time, I'd have an easy job too. I said, you only think that. It's a lie. You're never going to be any stronger than you are in your job right now. You're never going to spend any more time with God than you do right now. You never, listen, this is, that's a deception. We get these thoughts and these things. All of these people were called and anointed by God with his power for specific, specific times and purposes. All worked under and within corrupt and anti-God systems. All had God's favor and wisdom. All were promoted to the highest levels of government and influence, even though they never bowed to false gods or compromised their faith. They, they chose their battles wisely. They didn't react to everything, but they reacted to the right things. They responded. In 606 BC, Israel was besieged by the king of Babylon. That's what I read to you out of Daniel chapter 1. Weakened by their own sin, their own perversion and idolatry, which included the sacrifice of children. The Bible reveals exactly Satan's plan, revealing Nebuchadnezzar's mind for the destruction of any nation, society, or culture that honors the living God. Dismantle it from within. Take the best and the brightest young leaders, those with the most potential, and brainwash them, <clears throat> pardon me, into a culture of confusion, fragmentation, and division. Babel. The Bible says we're not to be ignorant of the devil's devices, schemes, or strategies. The first mention of the serpent and Satan in Genesis 3.1 says, now the serpent was more crafty. That doesn't mean he did needlepoint. <clears throat> okay? Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, indeed, has God said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? Or the enemy always begins with a question in your mind of something that God has already told you. When Jesus was baptized in water, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove, and God the Father spoke out of heaven and said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, right? Jesus is immediately led by the Spirit into the wilderness, and the enemy comes after 40 days, and what's he ask him? If you're the son of God, 
mean if? God the Father himself just said it. The enemy questions the word. Always questions your promise. Always fights you with lying symptoms. But listen to this. The word crafty in Genesis 3.1 is the Hebrew word arum, A-R-U-M. It means, listen, to be bare or smooth. Crafty. To be bare or smooth. We actually use the same concept in English. Someone who is crafty or wily is often referred to as slick or as a smooth operator. Not like the Sade song. Our young people and people in general with the best potential are under relentless assault from Babylon right now. <clears throat> the children of the king, the bloodline of the king, you, me, our kids, our grandkids are under siege. The bloodline of the king in that day were singled out for brainwashing through bribery and the indoctrination of Babylon. They were promised a three-year PhD, which somebody told me PhD to get today means, stands for Pizza Hut Delivery. <clears throat> My dad's not going to like that joke because he has a PhD. They promised to indoctrinate them, <clears throat> pardon me, in the language and literature of the Chaldeans. They said, we're going to teach your best and brightest. We're going to take those that have the ability to serve, the potential, and we're going to bring them in, and we're going to set them in a special program, the Nebuchadnezzar Babylon program. We're going to educate them with all kinds of lies. And by that, we're going to steal a generation. We're going to get them in the language and the literature of the Chaldeans. Literature today would be like not just books, it would be arts, television, movies, podcasts, radio, all the things used. <clears throat> My friend, the last few weeks, I don't even pay attention to this stuff. I don't even hardly watch any news, I promise you. But I still hear all the little things going on. The last few weeks, I call it Twilight Zone Continues. We've been told that Mr. Potato Head is a male chauvinist, Spud. Pepe the Pew has somehow contributed to a rape culture. And now Dr. Seuss was allegedly poisoning little kids with words that were used in the 50s and 60s against Asian people. And we're told that this is destroying America, not porn, not evil, that. Wake up. Wake up. This ain't about a political party. We're fighting the world system. Doesn't matter who's in power. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. This is right out of the Babylonian playbook. Divide and conquer. I love this. Titus 1.15 says this. Everything is clean to the clean-minded. 
Nothing is clean to the dirty-minded unbelievers. They leave their dirty fingerprints on every thought and act. Most of you might know that out of the New King James as, to the pure, all things are pure. Let me say it this way. If it's dirty to you, you have the issue. If something is unclean, listen, when we approach something, you ever, you ever think, just think about this for a minute. <clears throat> you ever seen that the most jealous people in relationships are the ones that are actually doing something behind the scenes that the other person should be jealous about? Why? Because when the dirt is in you, you project that dirt onto everybody else. And right now the problem is in the world we're getting, we're getting all these labels and messages and all these things trying to grab a hold of even our generation, but especially the next generation. To say that certain things are okay that the Bible says are not. And not because God is just trying to slap people for messing up. No, it's because it's not good for life. It's not good for lifestyle. Listen, we've always said this, life works best when God is first. Life works best when God is first. That's that simple. You can believe that. You, you don't have to believe that, but it's, it's your choice. To the pure, all things are pure. If it's dirty to you, you may be the one with the dirty issue. And you're projecting on everybody else. I love what God said to Adam when he found him naked and ashamed in the garden. And Adam said, I was ashamed because I was naked. And God said this, who told you that? Who told you that? Consider the source. Most of the media of today works for the Babylon Gazette. Therefore, we have to be discerning and be willing to say at times, I don't believe that. I don't receive that. I believe the report of the Lord. <clears throat> I don't believe that. I don't believe. There are certain things that you and I have to take, start taking a stand as individuals and as the body of Christ. There are certain things that we have to talk about the last year and a half. Remember a year and a half ago, I did a series called The Elephant in the Room? Many of you were here, many of you were, are newer than that, but I'm t we, had to, we did a whole month talking about hot button issues and stuff nobody wanted to talk about because we have to address it. Now, our main message is Jesus. Our main message is Jesus Christ because he's the only answer for all this. But we don't have to be bound and gagged by the world system. I want to recommend a podcast Really helpful and strong. Pastor Kristen Kennedy found this and pointed out to a couple of us. If you put that picture up on there, that's um, Rebecca St. James. Some of you remember the contemporary Christian recording artist? She got a podcast on family and friends. Uh, it's, uh, she did one on marriage back in November, from November 20th. If you want to write this down, this will really help some people here. We said we celebrate marriage. We're talking about Mike and Vicki Malik celebrating their 50th anniversary. We want those things. Well, this is a tool. This is something God always provided for me and my wife, tools when we first got saved. Dr. Dobson, 
Focus on the family. Gary Smalley, a writer, an author on uh, marriage and communication books. There's a lady she interviews here <clears throat> called Shanti Feldhahn. Shanti formerly worked on Wall Street. She's a genius. She worked on Wall Street. She worked in the White House. She's worked in various things. She's a strong Christian woman. Her field of expertise is research and data analysis. And she stumbled onto the truth a few years ago as she wrote a book about Y2K. She found this, she started doing research and she was doing something on marriage and she decided to, she heard what we've all heard for years <clears throat> and we've heard this since the 70s and 80s, the same statistic. How many of you ever heard that 50% of marriages wind up in divorce? Have you ever heard that? How many heard it's the same in the church? Same statistic. It's a complete fabricated lie. This lady did the research, went to the Census Bureau and got census results, <clears throat> analyzed the data, and she found out that the actual highest divorce rate we've ever had in America is 25%. 25%. Now, why is that important? Because if we all believe a cultural lie, then we start out with a mentality, well, it's a roll of the dice. It's a flip of a coin. 50%. 50%. I got a one out of two chance, but hey, let's try it. Listen to this. And hope you listen to the podcast. Those of you who want more information, because it's powerful. But think about this. Three out of every four marriages is working. It's successful. Still going strong. Three out of four. If you were a young person and you were in a difficult situation working through something, wouldn't you be more tempted to just throw in the towel if you believed that, hey, 50% of them fail anyway? I'll just be another one. Listen to this. If this, the marriages, most of the 25% of the marriages that end in divorce contain certain specifics. First of all, the couple married before the age of, I think it's 22. Before the age of 22. And listen, I'm not accepting that statistic either because we married at 18. Very short of our 19th birthday. Okay, so there's grace for all of us. <clears throat> I'm saying, if you marry, the statistics, biggest number of statistics of failure in marriage are people that married young and they quit within the first four years. Have I ever heard that the statistics for second marriages are even worse? Another lie. The other part is this. If you're a regular church attender, we don't, they, don't even, they didn't even count whether you really had a born-again experience with God. <clears throat> if you are a regular church attender... The divorce rate is what she describes as minuscule, minimal. You got to give the devil his due. 
because we have all believed that nonsense for decades. And how many people just threw in the towel because they just thought, well, most marriages don't work anyway. Or it's the same in the church. Not true. This should give you pause and it should give you encouragement of the faithfulness of God. Don't be condemned. But we've got to break the myths that are out there. Because all this disinformation is trying to bring destruction to our communities, to our families, and to our nation. Why is it so important? Because it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you believe that it's going to be bad, it's bad. Think about that. Self-fulfilling prophecy isn't even a Christian term. There are unsaved people that believe in prophecy. They just believe it's God speaking. They believe what you say is going to happen. We call that faith. Isn't that amazing? My friend, words are powerful. Words we believe, we receive. When we ingest wrong information, process it, believe it and meditate on it, it influences our behaviors and our expectations. So what am I saying? First, Daniel set a guard over his own heart. How did this young man make it all the way through to the highest levels of governmental influence? He purposed in his heart not to defile himself. He purposed in his heart to hold on to something we need desperately today Integrity. Integrity. In the Psalms, David said, let the integrity of my heart preserve me. He held on to a holy lifestyle. He was honest, on time, hardworking, and kind. He found favor with the chief eunuch even on the entry into Babylon. He found favor with the chief unit to keep a special diet because he felt like if I eat the cake and ice cream and drink the wine and strong drink of the king, I may not be able to handle this. If, I, if I'm offered chocolate cake with buttercream frosting, like spider cake from Betty Cakes, The scoop of Edie's French silk ice cream. Sorry, what was I saying? I think I blacked out for a moment. No, but he he said he had enough sense to say, hey, there are certain things I got to be aware of that may desensitize me to the truth and to what's really going on. So he said to the eunuch, listen, we want to eat, me and my three friends just want to eat some vegetables. Can you fix that? Can you arrange that? And the guy says, no. If you become a vegetarian, you're going you're gonna to have, you know, you're going to be anemic. You need some steak. Amen. <laughs> it's tough when you start preaching about food first service. I don't even know. 
He says, look, the guy says, I'm not going to get killed for you. The king will see it in your countenance that you're just living on Brussels sprouts and spinach. And Daniel said, let's try it. Let us try it for a few days. And let's see who's healthier, the rest of these guys or us. The Bible says when the day came for the big test, the king looked at their countenance and he didn't see a difference. He saw Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as strong as strong could be. Even though Daniel had a special diet, he found favor. Everybody say favor. favor. There are moments in this Babylonian culture where you and I have to look for the favor to help us with the obedience. You hearing me? There are moments where you're going to have to look for the favor in somebody that's not necessarily a brother or sister in Christ. And you're going to have to believe for that favor in the midst of this corrupt world system and find that favor to follow the obedience and keep yourself undefiled. He stepped into favor by faith. And I want to say God's favor still works today. At the very beginning of the process, then they renamed these young Jewish boys and gave them all Babylonish names, inserting the names of their false gods and demons. We call it identity confusion. You may call it gender confusion. Which they're saying in the next few weeks may be illegal for me to say in a church. Are you kidding me? We will preach the word of God. On this I stand. I can do no other. God help me. We stand for Jesus. Daniel protected his identity. In fact, he wrote his book called the book of Daniel. And throughout it, he says, and they named him Belteshazzar, but he calls himself Daniel over and over again. And Daniel's name means God is my vindicator. God will vindicate me. God will protect me in this and be my judge. And he will judge righteously. My friends, we got to discover who we are in Christ and hold fast to that revelation. Daniel kept an excellent spirit. Three times at least in the scriptures, other Babylonian leaders, including King Nebuchadnezzar himself, described Daniel in this way. Daniel 6, 3 says this, Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. He had an excellent spirit. He had a spirit of excellence. Aren't you thankful that the church of Jesus has awoken to the fact that we're the ones that the technology of the day was invented to utilize for the gospel? Used to be we came up in a day when the world had all the best equipment And the church had two tin cans and a string. Not anymore. 
because that stuff belongs to our God. Daniel carried himself with a spirit of excellence. He had integrity on the inside, but he showed it on the outside with what he did, with what he had. Finally this. Leadership is influence. Daniel had influence. Joseph had influence. Esther had influence. Nehemiah had influence. And you have influence. Because you're a leader. You have a calling to be a leader more than you think you do, more than you recognize. John Maxwell said leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. That's it. So I'll leave you with this. Who's influencing you? And whom are you influencing? Because you're a leader. Toward the end of his book, Daniel was able to write one of my favorite verses in Daniel, Daniel eleven thirty two. 32. Those who do wickedly against the covenant, he shall corrupt with flattery. In other words, those others who are compromising around him, he will allow them to get corrupted because of the flattery of the king's delicacies. But the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. The people who know their God. Do you know him? Do you really know him in a personal way, in the core of your being? That's what's tested when God's people live in Babylon. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, we are desperate to know you in greater ways. We're hungry to serve you with all of our hearts. We need you to protect us from the stain and the sin and the twisted and convoluted logic of the world. Today, Father, we fight for revelation over information. We fight for revelation over information. We say, Jesus, we need you to let your truth prevail. Let the word of the Lord, the word of God, the Bible, the most by far the number one book sold in the world by far the Holy Bible Lord let your word penetrate the darkness and permeate the atmosphere through your people and guard us as we watch these even situation comedies that seem to be infomercials for perversion to rationalize and to justify something that you said hurts your heart because it damages lives. Lord, set us free from the illogical information of the world system and fill us with your Holy Spirit and let your Spirit protect us in your word. 
Your word is truth. Let your truth prevail. Father, we pray a hedge of protection around the next generation. Those that are coming up, especially in the public school system, we rebuke the literature and the language of the Chaldeans. We rebuke the lies of Babylonish systems. And we declare that the word of God shall come forth. Father, we pray over these next few weeks as we prepare for Easter, Resurrection Sunday. Lord, make each one of us your evangelists. Make each one of us sensitive to the divine appointments around us. Because as the world moves more toward corruption, people are beginning to realize how much pain they're in and that they need you. Draw them to this property. Draw them for our three services on Easter Sunday. Draw them. Let salvation and freedom ring in Ocala and every church that lifts up Jesus. Protect and guard the pastors and the leaders. Protect and guard the volunteers and the churches all over Gainesville and Ocala and the villages all over Marion County, Alachua, Levy, Citrus County, Lake County, Sumter County, Volusia County. All those areas in our land. Holy Spirit, come and reveal yourself right now. Anyone watching? Anyone in the room? The children at the other end of this building. We declare a place of freedom. For we are an embassy from a place called heaven. And we are ambassadors for Christ as though you are pleading through us to everyone else. Be reconciled to God. In Jesus' name. Listen, if you don't know him today, I want to invite you to just open your heart right now, wherever you are, open up your heart right now. Open up your heart. Open up your mouth and declare his promise and just say, Jesus, I need you. Come into my heart. Change me. Forgive me. I want you. And I need you. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, it doesn't have to be fancy words. It just has to be real inside. God will meet you at your point of faith. My prayer when I got saved was, okay, if you're real, show me. Because I need you. At 19 years of age, God met me right where I was. I didn't have a fancy prayer. I said, okay. I need you. Yes. Amen. Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. 
And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you.